This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Well, hey, everybody, this is Eric Nordoff, and you're listening to the Courage Cast. This week on Courage Cast, I had the honor of interviewing former Georgia Bulldogs standout and NFL Pittsburgh Steeler running back Tim Worley. After being a first round pick and landing with the Steelers, Tim embraced the darker side of celebrity. A millionaire at age 22, he lost his way and ultimately his career, which led him down a road he never ever expected. After being injured and failing multiple mandatory drug tests, Tim was suspended from the NFL. Rock bottom came in the form of deep suicidal depression and 23 days of jail time. However, rock bottom turned out to be exactly what Tim needed. While in jail, he submitted his life over to the Lord and found faith in the midst of the hopeless life he'd built. Tim has dedicated his life to motivating others to overcome their past and move forward in their calling. He and his wife, Dee, co-founded Worley Global Enterprises, a consulting firm with a strong focus on life skills coaching and motivational speaking. He travels around the world, encourages men to take off their masks and live authentically in God's truth. I know you're going to be so encouraged by this man of faith. It's my honor to introduce you to my friend, Tim Worley. Well, last last I saw you before before I met you, uh, the last I saw you on television, you were playing football and you had a pretty amazing football career. Um, especially in college and then in, 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 in the pros, some, some, of the, some of the wheels started falling off, didn't they? So what happened uh, from the time I saw you in a Pittsburgh Steelers outfit? Uh, well, basically, um, sometimes we're not, we're not equipped. We don't have the structure in place. And uh, I took my foot off the gas. Mm. Once I arrived to the show, uh, being a first-round pick in the 1989 draft, uh, I totally took my foot off the gas and uh, – I got complacent, stopped doing the things uh, mentally that got me there. And I sort of took on, not sort of, I did. Just a partying lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Just hit with so many things at one time. So much attention, so much popularity. Uh, Girls everywhere, parties here. And I got totally consumed with the ways of the world and just living a frivolous lifestyle. And it it basically shortened my career. Um, And... after your career was over, you also endured some further, um, I guess, some further pain and some, fur- you know, did you learn your lesson after football was over or did, was there more to, that God had you learning at that point? Well, there was more that God had me learning. I, uh, the, the one thing that I, once I retired in 1996 from the Bears, uh, um, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I, I pretty much, when I was a young kid, made a vow over myself that sports was the only thing I wanted to play and wanted to do, and I locked myself into that vow. And that's all I focused on. And, and I never made plans or uh, for future uh, living. I never made plans for, for anything else. And so I didn't know what to do with myself. The NFL was basically my first job. 
Um, and at age 22, I became a millionaire in my first job. And number one, I didn't know any too, too much about money, but how to spend it. And, uh, uh, didn't really have the people, right people in place with me. And, and I'm not pointing the thing. I'm just looking back on how I see things now. And there's a lot of things that I just didn't understand. And, uh, that weight of glory that was on my life, uh, uh, at the time it was built in sand and it came crashing down. I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the responsibility that came with being a first round pick, um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. And, uh, it just, it, it became, it began to crumble. And, uh, like one would say, you know, I built my house in sand and it crumbled, hmm. but I just believe, you know, once I got into the drinking and the drugging and the chasing the girls and all this, these things that the world said is going to bring you happiness. You know, I, I really dove into it after football because, you know, I ended up living on the money that I made for several years and went through all that like water. And, and all of a sudden I find myself, uh, with no friends. I find myself with no, no, uh, uh, no perspective on life. And, uh, I ended up going to jail for 23 days for, for, for doing something stupid. Hmm. Wow. And was that kind of the humbling moment right there where you finally said, I gotta, I gotta make a change. This isn't working for me. Yeah, I've had, I've had, uh, of course, the good Lord, uh, he'll use uh, what we get ourselves into. He doesn't bring the trouble, but I, I don't believe that. But he uses what we choose to get into and, and to, 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 to glorify his name and to, uh, to help ourselves at the same time to be better people. But um, the moment that did it for me, Eric, was um, in 2008 uh, when I got locked up. Uh, I uh, was tased and arrested in Atlanta, Georgia, Smyrna. Georgia for, for swinging at a cop and hitting a cop and hmm. a police officer. And, and I was totally intoxicated and, and suicidal, hmm. totally enraged, suicidal, angry at myself, angry at the world. And, and basically one day, Eric, I challenged the Lord. I just asked him, show me who you are. Hmm. And, um, cause I was, I was down and out, uh, um, I had been, um, I was feeling very depressed and and I just didn't want to live anymore. And this is in 2008, man. We're talking about almost 10 years ago. Yeah. I didn't want, I don't, I didn't want to live, man. And, and finally, you know, I asked God to save me. I said, show me who you are. And one night, late one night, matter of fact, that video is all over YouTube. So it's been up there since 2008. Huh. And, um, and uh, I actually show it when I do presentations sometime because I want people to see the power of God. Hmm. And, um, and, um, so one night, uh, you know, I got just, just, just sloppy drunk one night, got in my vehicle and just was driving through the city of Atlanta looking for a police officer to pull me over because my, where in my mind, I was just, I just wanted to die. Mm. You know, I came from being a superstar athlete to, to, to that level of so much pain that I caused myself that I wanted, that I didn't want to be here no more. Isn't that amazing? And, 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 um, and so I just, uh, officer pulled me over and, 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 and started giving me commands. I got frustrated. I was looking for a fight. And when he tried to put the cuffs on me, I swung and I, I struck him on the side of the face. And, um, I was hoping he would take his weapon and, and put a bullet in my heart. Really? But he didn't do that. Yes. This is where I was now. I'm going to tell you. And he didn't do that. And so I turned my back when he tried to spray me with mace. And when I turned my back, I was hoping he would take and shoot me in the back but he didn't shoot me in the back with his weapon. He took out a taser and he tased me. Hmm. And, and, um, I, let me tell you something. I've never felt anything like that in my life. <laughs> and, and <laughs> I call it being zapped from Jesus. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, um, uh, 
when he tased me, uh, Eric, it, it, it knocked me to the ground. You know, I'm six foot two. And back then I was about 250 pounds. I'm about 230 now about my plan waiting. And it, it knocked me to the ground and I couldn't do anything. And they got me on the ground and, and, and took me to the police station in Smyrna and locked me up. And, and, um, as I sat in the jailhouse for about four hours, all the alcohol began to wear off. And I realized what had just happened to me as I sit and as I was sitting and watching the sun come through the little window that was in the jail cell, I was in a jail cell by myself. And I realized what happened and I just burst out in tears and, and I realized that God had just answered my prayers. And I got out on my knees in a jail cell by myself and I repented and I asked the Lord to restore me. And I said, yes, whatever you want me to do, whatever you call me to do, I'll do it. And ever since that day, April 13, 2008, my life has radically changed. And, and that's when I surrendered. That was that defining moment for me. Hmm. And I spent 23 days in jail, something that I always feared. And I ended up doing that. And that changed my life forever. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm where I am today because, because of that. Yeah. So you, once you got out of jail, you started speaking and mentoring youth, right? You started kind of speaking and talking to probably anybody that wanted to hear from you, but, but was that your focus? Yeah, it was my focus, but uh, even before the, the, the jail time happened, I was working with youth. I was coaching. I was coaching different uh, schools, coached a couple of uh, high school up in Chicago, back in my hometown. I was doing uh, radio for my high school football team, uh, uh, 2002, 2003, 2004, and uh, always had my hands in with the youth, but it became more serious for me uh, when I took that platform of speaking more serious and yeah. because I knew then that I had a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Um, it was, it was, uh, some people will look at this and say this, this was a shameful moment or an embarrassing moment. But for me, when I sat in that jail cell, Eric, let me tell you what I did, man. I exhaled mm -hmm. and I smiled. And you know what I told myself? I, I still get emotional today. When I think about it, I told myself, I said, it's over. I don't have to run no more. You know why? Because there's this fake persona, this fake mask that I was wearing all of my life, that superstar athlete, you know, no, no, no pain, no fear, no anything. And this big old mask, fake mask that I'm wearing, trying to prove something to people, trying to fit in. And God let me know that I'd never fit in in the first place. Wow. And so when I and so when it was exposed all over CNN, ESPN, everything, I was sitting in that jail cell smiling, not worried about a thing, and I wasn't even trying to get out. And I told the good Lord, I said, Lord, I won't walk out that door until you send who you want to come and get me out. And 23 days later, on the 23rd day, Eric, one of my ex-teammates, Troy Sadowski, a brother in Christ, in, in um, First Baptist Woodstock in, in, in Woodstock, Georgia, Pastor Johnny Hunt, they came and offered me an opportunity. Hmm. And ever since that day, I haven't looked back. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Man. Well, uh, we do need each other. We do need um, brothers and sisters in Christ, man, to uh, to 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 kind of bring us back and and lead us back into a place. You're a very humbled man at that point, but you also sounded like you were very free to finally be who you who you who God wanted you to be, who God made you to be, instead of this this man that you 
tried to hold up in your strength, obviously, which wasn't working. So, so what do you say now? I understand now just in, in the last few months and probably the reason why we haven't started talking is that you've been given a mandate. You've been given a mandate. Uh, I, I received this email and I want to read it to, to the audience. The mandate is this to heal the hearts of men so they can reposition themselves as providers, protectors, and leaders within their spheres of influence. Tell me about this mandate and what it means to you. Okay. Um, like I said, uh, even when I was straddling the fence in and out of the church, I've worked with youth for, for over 15 years. Just the, Even when I was in the world and back and forth in the church and and finally, I nailed. I, I just got serious, and I committed myself to the Lord, and and uh, did a lot of work, did a lot of speaking. When we met two years ago, you know that was my thing, and and um, that was the assignment on my life at the time. But God has totally transitioned me out of the youth. He said, "Come out of the shallow water. I need for you to go into the deep water where the bigger fish are." And and one of the reasons, um, and I said yes because there was a time where it was I was I was pretty intimidated by speaking to, to, uh, um, leadership, speaking mm. to corporate leadership, speaking to, to pastors, speaking to professional coaches and, in, in athletics. And, and, and now I'm in a place where I'm not intimidated anymore because number one, first, I know who I am today. Mm. I know who I am in Christ today. There was years ago. I ne- I didn't have a clue who I was. I thought my only identity was an athlete mm. and that was a lie. And so once I came out of that, and once God was able to pull me with my with, with a positive response and my car, uh, corresponding response to him, pull me out of the past and let go of the past, heal the past. I had to grieve the loss of my career, the loss of a lot of things in the past, and that totally pulled me out of the past. Now, a years later, or a year later, here we go. Now I'm in the present, and God is able to put in my hand and put me in a position where I can receive what he has for me today and for the future. And see, now it's, it's more of legacy. It's not just the present. It's also the future. So he's transitioning me out of the youth toward men. And one of the reasons, and I asked why, number one, because the Lord let me know that because you failed at it, I knew you were going to fail at it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I blessed you. Okay. I called you before you were in your mother. I knew you. He said, and I want to use you to help men to, to see and to help men heal the, to heal hearts, the hearts of men so that they can be the providers, protectors, and leaders in their sphere of influence. And, and I'm like, why me? It's because number one, here's the key, my transparency. God's given me transparency. And he's given me, um, I used to, I, one of my biggest fears, Eric, was, was, was to, I used to hate standing up talking in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I know now as I look back, that was a trick from the enemy. That was an attack from the enemy because God had already chose me and called me to do this particular thing. And us right now speaking over the, air, over the airways right now, it's his perfect timing. Mm. You said it. Right. And, and now, yes, and now... Um, He's using me because I failed at it. Basically, I went to hell and I made it back. And anytime somebody's been to hell and they made it back by the grace of God, they got something to say. <laughs> and I want to hear what that person's got to say. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and 
I've seen it from, I've, I've seen the big times. I've seen the low times, you know, it's kind of reminds me of Moses. You know, Moses was a, was a, a, a Hebrew uh, raised as an Egyptian and learned all the Egyptian ways, their military strategies, their financial strategies, everything. But when it was time, God used them to use his own, their own strategies against them. Mm. So yes. there's areas that I can go into and I can minister to people. There's, there's things that I can talk about right now directly to men, and I can reach their hearts, not because of something that I read, because of something that I experienced. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I know, what it's, I know what it's like to feel uh, 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 unappreciated. I know what it's like to be disrespected. I know what it's like to be shamed and disrespected in the public. Mm-hmm. I know these things, and men don't know who they are today. No, we don't. No, we don't. We We, really don't. There's a book by a man named, um, oh gosh, he's got the School of Greatness, Lewis Howes, and he's got a book called The Mask of the Man. And you said it yourself. You said the words that you were wearing a mask. Do you believe most men are wearing masks today? Uh, Certainly. Certainly. I I believe that uh, we, number one, we the way we were taught, I call it the law is first truth. The things that we learned first, uh, uh, the lies that we were taught when we were kids. I'll be 51 Sunday by the grace of God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And, uh, um, you know, Eric, I grew up, I was taught that you're not a real man until you, until you have girls on your notch, put notches on your belt, you know, talking about women mm. until you, till you sleep with women and all this stuff. You're not a real man until you have a drink. You're not a real man until you do this or do that. That's all lies from the pits of H-E double hockey sticks. Yeah. Okay. It's all lies. Real men don't cry. That's all I listen. I cry at stop signs now. <laughs> you know what I mean? How do you I'm cry serious. at stop I, signs? I'll pull up to a stop sign and just sitting there as I'm just, and I'll look out the window or look at, up, up in my sunroof and <laughs> I just start tearing up because of the grace and the glory and the goodness of the Lord, man. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Just those, and, that and, pause. And I'm listening. That pause that you took, you got to experience his grace right then in that moment. That's, that's exactly really sweet. Yeah. 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 And, um, and it's just, it's just so beautiful because I'm, I'm just grateful because I know according to man and even my own stinking thinking back in the day, I don't supposed to be here. Right. I don't supposed to be here, but I'm here, man. Mm-hmm. I'm here. And it's only by the grace and mercy of God that I'm here. And while I'm here, I'm going to do what he tells me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fulfill the purpose that is on my life. Okay. I'm going to fulfill this mandate that's on my life and I'm going to reach out and I'm going to encourage mentor coach, whatever it is called that the, the thing that God has called me to do is many as people that I can reach while I'm here on this planet. Yeah. I want to, I want to leave this planet empty. Well, that's a common purpose. That's a common purpose that we all share. I mean, everybody in the courageous community that listens to this podcast, we're all made for a specific purpose. We're all, we all have a sphere of influence that God has placed us in, or we placed ourselves in, however we want to put it. That's where, where we're planted right now. We have spheres of influence, and God's called us all to follow him no matter what. And um, so... So you're doing it specifically. You feel a, a burden to heal the hearts of men, um, to reposition themselves. Let's talk about the three areas. Providers. Okay. Men are meant to be providers, protectors, and leaders. So tell me, let's start with providers. What does that look right. like for a man? And how do you get there? Okay. 
number one, uh, uh, the man is the priest of their home. Men are the priest of their home. And let's, let's dissect that word provide. Um, for a long time, that's the only category that the men really fit in. And I'm going to go back to my own father. Uh, both of my mother and my father are still living. And, and one of the things that that generation, um, as long as they were providing, they felt like everything was okay. As long as they were providing a roof over their the wives and the kids' head, food on the table, clothes, you know, all those things, okay, they're good. They don't have to do anything else. But, see, that's a lie. That's not where it stops. That's a part of it. Mm-hmm. Men, men are supposed to be the leaders also. They're supposed to be the protectors. And a lot of them take on that protective role. But there are families where men have not led. Men are not leading. And even today, there's no man in the house at all. Mm-hmm. You know? And the Bible says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children in the hands of his father. Okay? Men are supposed to take their children and point them in the direction of that bullseye and aim us in the right direction and shoot us out there. Now, it's not up to them that we hit that bullseye, but, but you know, we always miss. I miss. My dad... My mother and father have been married for 55 years, man, this past June. Wow. And my that's dad, a, that's always, incredible. My, yes, that's incredible, man. And, and, but dad was always there. You know, men are that authority figure. Women are that, that nurturer, but it's that authority figure, even though the intimacy wasn't there, Eric, yeah. that authority was there. So it made me and my brothers act a certain way, but guess what? There were certain things that I needed from my dad. Mm-hmm. I needed intimacy from my dad. I needed my dad to talk to me. Tell me about life. Tell me that you're proud of me. Tell me that you love me. Tell me about girls. Tell me about this. And I never received that. Mm. And so we go out searching for these things in the big world that we don't get in the the big house, that we don't get in the little house. Mm. And when we become adults, that's dysfunctional. And we see a lot of men today that are 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 years old, they're functioning on the level of when they were teenagers in their mind. Yeah. Because they're looking for affirmation. uh, Very good. They're looking for affirmation. They're looking for approval from others when they should have, they would have gotten all that they needed in the home from their fathers. Now, what if they had fathers, you know, the fathers never, you know, his father probably didn't get that either, you know? Exactly. So where where's exactly. the example come from? Where does the example come from to okay. be able now to be that thing. intimate father? Yes. Here's the thing. We, 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 you know, we hear it all the time. You know, be a good father, be a good husband, be a good employee, be a good work. Well, how do you do that when that was never modeled in front of you? Yeah. How do you do that? You understand? And I just believe, I just believe that, that our heavenly father, the way we view our earthly father until we become, until we grow to know and discover and become Christ-like and understand and know the father and know who we are in Christ Jesus, we would view, we would view our heavenly father just like we view our earthly father. Mm. Okay. And there's areas with our earthly fathers that we just couldn't trust. I love my dad. And my dad loves me, you know, but there's some areas that I wanted to be like him. And there's some areas that I didn't want to be like him. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The thing that I judged him for, I ended up doing those same things because mm. I locked myself into a judgment. Mm. Okay. And so and explain so, that, explain that you lock, how did you lock yourself into a judgment? 
Okay. Now, my dad, I honor my mother and my father. They're just they're wonderful people. I love the way they raised us. But, you know, uh, we, we nobody's perfect. Okay. My dad, in the beginning, when I was a child and when I was a teenager, my dad drank. Mm-hmm. You know, he drank. He, 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 he spent a lot of time drinking. And, and when, he, when he would drink, uh, he would get verbally abusive yeah. toward my mother. Yeah. And, uh, and, and even, even every once in a while, physical. Yeah. And, 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 and I've forgiven my father for all these things. And, and so that's the stuff that I said I didn't want to do. And even in the community that I grew up in, Lumberton, North Carolina, Eric, I saw people, alcohol was the thing. Mm-hmm. Alcohol was the alcohol went ran rapid in my neighborhood in my community. I saw the mailman, the the the, the, the trash man, people of all types of employment just in the neighborhood. You know, they're drinking. Cause my grandmother was a bootlegger. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, I know. My 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 grandmother was a hustler, man. She was the first hustler I seen back in the seventies. You know, <laughs> and uh, so that's a yeah, that's a whole other story. But, uh, and I saw these things and not just, I didn't just judge my, my dad. I judged the people in my community that were drunks. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would never do that. I would never, I don't never want to be that. I would never do drugs. I would never drink. And you know what? I judged him. Mm-hmm. I judged my dad. And when it came down to it, when the pressure got too thick, and I'm not talking about negative pressure. I'm talking about good pressure. When all the pats on the back that I received at the University of Georgia telling me how great I was and I didn't know who I was. I failed to peer pressure, and I tried my first bottle of alcohol when I was a sophomore at the University of Georgia. Okay. And, yes, and then all of a sudden alcohol opened up a door to try harder things. Now, I tried the cocaine when I blew my knee out, and mm. sports was over. Mm. What do I do when, when the cheering stopped? What do I do when I can't play that thing that I locked myself into a vial about, athletics? Yeah. So and I there's... tell people, Eric. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I tell people, man, listen, let's keep it real. Now, this is how I used to think. I didn't go to the University of Georgia to get an education. I went to the University of Georgia to play back, to play football. Mm-hmm. Okay? Education came second. See, I had it backwards. But today, I have it in order. I have it orderly, you know? Yeah. And so when, I, when, when football was gone and I blew my knee out and couldn't play for almost two years, what do I do with myself? Okay, mm. I stopped going to class, and guess what? Alcohol led and opened up the door for me to try cocaine. Mm. Right. And I had I had no idea the destructive path cocaine was going to put my life on. Yeah, yeah, addiction and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, wow. So you you kept trying to find affirmation in other things outside of God, and and you feel like you judged. What you meant by that was you judged your father. And then you kind of locked yourself up in that judgment because once you judged your father, you then had to judge you, right? And you probably judged yourself very negatively the more you did it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And and that, that season of addiction, it came stronger on me than it did my father when he was into it. Yeah. And so it hit me and I ended up, um, I have two children well, they're grownups now, 25 and, and 22. And, you know, the relationship with my is, is in a healing process because guess what? Daddy wasn't around when they were little kids because daddy was out doing his thing, using drugs and, and, and drinking and chasing women and doing all these crazy things uh, of the world. Yeah. And so now, but God has healed my relationship with my children. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a matter of time. It's a process. Yeah. 
Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Eric. Also, you know, I was able to forgive my dad. And let me tell you something, man. I'm, I'll be 51 this Sunday, September 24th. Praise God. And for the first time in 50 years, brother, two months ago, two and a half months ago, my dad told me he loved me. Really? Yes. For the first time? For the first time. That's and, the power of healing. That's the power of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's amazing because you were a you forgave him, and forgiveness is is often overlooked too, isn't it? Being able to yes, forgive your 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 parents, forgive those yes. that maybe should have led you better and didn't. Yeah. But then yes. also forgiving yourself for exactly. the for what you did, and and you, I, I hear also that you didn't live in your past anymore. Things really started exactly. changing then. Yes. Yeah. Well. Let me, let me, let me, and I can talk a little bit about that. Uh, um, I got about 10 more minutes. Go for um, it. My, my, uh, I had to grieve my past properly. I thought, you know, sometimes we think we're out of stuff until we're hit with something. And all of a sudden you'll see that old thing that you're not healed from will pop back up. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, it, it's how we react and re- what well, we respond to it. Well, we act anyway, but, but, um, um, about a year and a, about a year and a year and a half ago, I, uh, um, me and my wife D were on a sabbatical, just 40 days and 40 nights where we just unplugged. We went up in the mountains in North Carolina, hit night, North Carolina to a retreat and some uh, people that were partnered with the ministry. Uh, um, and, uh, just, just flushing some things out. And we were trying to figure out why we're stuck, you know, and trying to decide whether or not, why did God defer us from away from Nashville and, and bring us to the Charlotte area. And, and, um, just that quiet time. When we unplug, man, it's, it's amazing what, what, what happens. It's like fasting, fasting from the television, fasting from your phone, fasting from the internet, just totally unplugged from that stuff. Wow. And, and, uh, basically I found out God dropped, dropped something in me that, uh, that I was still stuck in the past. And I thought I, I was done with the past, but I found out and I discovered through, through that, um, through social media, because I found out, Eric, that I was still looking for affirmation. Mm. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I was that superstar athlete, man. So what do you do when the cheering stop? What do you do when, when, when all of a sudden 90 to 95,000 people are not cheering your name anymore? What do you do when you didn't prepare for life? Yeah. You know? And so I was, I was affirmed publicly by a gift that I had in sports. Now that was over. And all of a sudden I'm looking for affirmation on, on Facebook or on Twitter and all these things, you know, and I had to ask my question. I had to ask the question, okay, Tim, why are you really posting this? Why are you drunk? Why are you posting this? What's really behind it? And I figured out, and I found out that, you know, where do you go to get your lights? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a fix. Yeah. Where do you go to get your lights? It's like and a cocaine high. It's like a little high. Yeah. Get, man. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, cause we're looking for that attention. And so, you know, I got warned by, by one of my spiritual advisors to get off social media and stay away from it. And my wife, she runs, she mans the social media for our company and everything. I don't mess with it. Yeah. She does it. Everything is posted. She posts it. I don't even mess with it. Yeah. And, 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 and I got a chance to grieve, to grieve properly the loss of my career, the loss of my relationship and time with my children, the loss of my relationship and time uh, uh, intimacy with my dad, just the loss of a lot of things that, that, 
my choices to get involved with drugs and alcohol almost destroyed. Yeah. And once I grieved that properly, I'm talking about everything, money, time, property, all these things. And when I grieved that properly, I was able to come out of the past and I prepared myself and I opened up my hands to receive what God had for me now. Yeah. And, and, and I was able to receive that. And it just gave me an understanding and a revelation. And he gave me a revelation of how much he loves me, mm -hmm. Eric. And mm -hmm. once I got that, and then you add my father, my earthly father telling me that he loves me, man, it, it's like a, it's like an explosion. Mm -hmm. And it's that thing that I've been looking for because I tell people all the time, man, when I had, when I, when I was making millions of dollars, I was the most miserable person in the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I didn't know who I was and I was trying to fill a void that only God can fill. That's right. That's right. And you know what you did during that sabbatical? You also ran, you know, the song run through the enemy's camp and he, and I took yep. back what he stole from me. And that's what you did is you took it back. You took back what the enemy stole yep. all those years. The enemy was lying to you about whether it be drugs or social media or addiction to uh, you know affirmation an addiction to affirmation and needing that affirmation and it reminds me as a, as a dad of a 15 and a 17 year old that those boys that I have in particular my girl too they need the affirmation from me they need an, a, an affirming not just an affirming word but an affirming look and an affirming uh, presence in their life that that they know that they have my love. That that's yes. what you're telling me as a yes. you know as a 46 year old man. That's what I'm hearing, and how yeah. I need to love my kids, you know, dangerously, deeply. Yes. You know. Yes. Um, and um, you know, today, man, there there, there is no fear. Um, it's it's you know, I tell folks. I'm a dangerous man now, and I don't mean dangerous the ways of the world. I'm talking about I'm 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 a dangerous man to the to the kingdom of hell. Right. I'm the game. I'm a I'm a dangerous man because guess what? Tim Worley know who he is today. Yeah. And I, I hit that season. I'm in that season in my life where Eric and I, and I don't know if you've been there or you're there. Listen, I ain't impressed, man. I'm just <laughs> I'm not impressed. If if it, listen, man. If it ain't if it ain't it, listen up, my, my ebonics, my life. If it ain't got anything to do with God, I'm not impressed. <laughs> I'm not impressed. If God's not in it, I don't want to touch it, man. Yeah. Because everything that I do, I'm thinking about him first. Yeah. I'm thinking about him first. And, you know, I love sports. I love all these things, all the accolades and this and that. But guess what? It's got to take a second. It's got to take a back seat. Yeah. It's got to take a back seat, man. Yeah. I can care less about the games. I can care less about all that stuff. I'm about my father's business today. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know what? You know what, brother? With that walk right there, right there, you know what? There's some people I didn't have to delete out of my life. They automatically left my life. That's a good word. My pastor said this. Yeah, my pastor said this a long time ago. He said, uh, Pastor Ron Carpenter, he said, sometimes being in step with God will take you out of step with people. I am living it right now. Ah, uh, that is a good, yeah. that is a good word. That way it's not about doing anything, but just following him and being obedient to him. And, and he takes care of the, the scruff in your life. Uh, they might be good people, Amen. but they, they just don't need to be there and they won't want to be there. They're not going to be attracted to it because they're, they're, they're all, if you're attracted to God and you're, you're, you're magnifying him, 
the people that are going to be attracted to you are going to be the ones that want to be attracted to God and, and yep. his ways and, and the people that, uh, that haven't been, they'll, they'll lose their pull. It's like a magnet, you know, it's like they'll, they won't yep. be, they won't be, it'll be the opposite. They'll be, they'll be pushed away by the, whatever that opposite magnetic <laughs> term is, you know, right. two positive, yeah. two negatives or whatever together. So I just believe what you, res- what you respect. And I speak this in general, what you respect, you attract to. Mm. There's, there's a, there's, there's certain, there's things that I respect now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I respect God's order. I respect God's protocol. I respect God's principles. And I'm drawing those type of people to my life and vice versa. Yeah. And, 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 and I didn't have any boundaries before I have boundaries now. Yeah. And, and before I go, Eric, I just want to say this one thing to the men, you know, I believe the first sin in the Bible was passivity. Passivity. I believe it, uh, passivity because Eve was deceived. Adam rebelled. Adam knew, and he just did it anyway. And he was set there passive while talking snake was talking to his bride, to his wife and, and passivity kills. It really does. And one of the things that almost destroyed me more than anything, more than the drugs, more than the alcohol, was being passive, being a passive person. Because that passivity caused me to press down things that I really wanted to talk about and confront. And where I thought I was being a peacemaker, I really was a peace faker. Because in the end, I exploded. I exploded. I went from being a peace faker to a peace taker. Mm. I exploded. And, wow. and so passivity kills, man. And men are so passive today. And I am not that passive person today. Confrontation is a beautiful thing. I love to come. It's not like I like to confront, but I will confront. Matter of fact, I answer the door when people ring, when people knock on the door at our house here, I answer the door. Good. When people call telemarketers and everything, call the house. I don't, I don't avoid them. I answer the door. I mean, I answer the phone. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, this is Mr. Worley. Yeah, yeah. Can I get your phone number? <laughs> you know, I answer though because it's just, it's just, it's that thing that I'm talking about providers, protectors, and leaders. Yeah. And as priests of the home, we are to lead our homes. We are to lead our family in prayer. We are to lead our wives and our children in studying the Bible. Wow. You know? Yep. And that's, that, that's, that's my passion. That's what I want to, we got to get back to the original plan, man. Yeah. You're right. Take dominion. You're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. Hey, Tim Worley, thank you for spending some time with me. A little over 30 minutes. I know you got to run. I'm going to give the audience all of your information so that people know how to connect with you uh, at, at WorleyGlobalEnterprises.com and all of that stuff. I'm going to send people to them, to that. And uh, and I hope that somebody, if you if you feel in, in, encouraged by by Tim's message today and you want to reach out to him please tell him you were part of the courageous community and you heard him on the courage cast podcast i know he'll be encouraged by that uh, so that he knows that this 30 minutes or so was worth his time right tim amen <laughs> amen. amen hey be safe thank you so much tim and uh, i look forward to uh, great things ahead and in, in where god's leading you Thank you, Eric. God bless you, brother. Okay, God bless you too. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Well, that was my friend Tim Worley. A few big takeaways from this episode. When you heal from your past, you can live in the present and receive all the gifts God has for you. 
Number two, men are meant to be protectors, providers, and leaders. And when we forget that, things go wrong. Number three, we view our Heavenly Father like we do our earthly father. Well, my thanks again to Tim Worley for being on the podcast, and I look forward to seeing what's happening for him in the future. Next week, friends, we have Robert Noland on the podcast. You're not going to want to miss him. He shares some very fun analogies of life. You're going to love him. Well, that's it for me, friends. I'm Eric Nordoff, and you're listening to The Courage Cast. Courage Cast.